0: Welcome to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Would Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, monthly co-host Cat Baldwin author of The Forgiveness Workshop and this episode is being sponsored by tarotbyginger.com if you are interested in contributing to the show go to my website everythingimaginable2020.com and you'll find everything you need there and now without further ado our guests for today are Amanda Holly last Havingston yes and Paul Berg And they have a book called The Birthmark Scar. And it is about basically everything that I ever cover on this podcast. From psychics to tarot to witchcraft to all types of metaphysical topics. So, thank you guys for coming on today and uh, talking with me.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: So, what inspired the book? Like, where did this come from?
1: Uh... Well, one of, there's many places that it came from. Uh, one of the places that it came from is uh, Lilith visited Paul in a dream mm-hmm. and said that we should write books together. Um, so that's how we started writing together. Um, and then the other inspiration for the content is, um, geez. Uh, so we, we, we felt like we weren't really seeing books that that touched on the stuff that was part of our lives in fiction um so we're writing to you know to fill that to have books on past lives and, and the like
0: hmm. so when lilith contacted you in a dream like one tell me my, li- my listeners a little bit about who who lilith is um you know sometimes i' I've, I've even heard different stories uh, of lilith and, um, what was this dream and, um, what did she tell you?
2: Well, for, for, for me, I mean, um, uh, the psychic kind of phenomenon is new to me just the last four or five years. And so, uh, I, I had met a psychic and, and I had, uh, kind of, she had, uh, discussed on how to open yourself up. And when I got to, I, I had a message and, uh, being a very religious person, you kind of uh, suppress messages and then you finally listen to them and then it's just like follow your intuition uh, and I asked Amanda it was quite uh, one of those questions like you know we're supposed to write together and she gave me the look like yeah and uh, we we collaborated and it just worked it it, it, it was a very synchronicity it just kind of uh, the, the two of us made this book work and it covers a, a whole bunch of different aspects of the metaphysical I mean and one of the things we're trying to uh, make people aware of other subjects and topics that are in the realm of everything. So uh, whether we're talking psychics or tarot cards, Oracle cards, crystals, mm-hmm. h- energy healing, uh, and kind of people to open up their minds, uh, you know, to, to think of other things. But Lilith is the first woman, if you're historical data, in the Hebrew tradition uh, Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, and, and if you go into the, the Chronicles of ben Shira, uh it talks about that's the first time where Lilith was uh, with Adam. Right. And when actually you read the Bible, there's, you know, man and woman were made equal. And then the chapter three, a woman came out of Adam's rib. So you had to kind of it opened my uh, kind of research uh, into who this person was. And we're actually going to do another book on specifically Lilith later on uh, in a year or two. So that that's kind of where, where it came from and following our intuition. So
0: Lilith in general, um, a lot of times I've seen her portrayed as sort of a darker type of character that was supposedly misled Adam. And then she had to go and be replaced by Eve, who was somebody who was more submissive.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I I think we will, you know, some of that, her origins and all that is lost to time, you know. And mm. so, to me, Lilith is an energy. Um, it's an energy, it's the energy of, um, like feminine power, mm. um, feminine equality. And you know, that as an energy, it doesn't have just one face. Um, so yeah, there's darkness to it. And in a culture where women's power is so very feared. Um, it's often going to, the, the stories of it are going to make it seem darker. But. Interesting. So,
0: so you take sort of more of like the Wiccan perspective on Lilith.
1: I, I guess Where she's like
0: a divine feminine figure. Uh,
1: so I guess, you know, like I think I, I, I believe it's possible for a human to become a, an energy that stays with humanity um, you know like a, a saint if you will um, and I think some of the, the the people that we think of as gods um, weren't necessarily gods but they became gods through their actions um, on this plane uh, so however yeah I, I think I think she was human interesting
0: um, do you think that the story of loeth was twisted and suppressed to um you know, create the patriarchal, I can never pronounce that word society that we have where men are in charge.
1: So I, I think, I think, um, Lilith has always owned her own story. Um, and I think she's patient and I think that, you know, our story is one of many of her coming out into the world now. Um, so sure. Yeah. I think there have been forces, fighting against her um but i would never say that anyone has owned Lilith's story more than Willis. awesome um so
0: what is it like, like why did you feel it important to write a f- is, this book is fiction correct <laughs> a fictional yeah. book that is going to bring to light the concepts of like psychics tarot energy healing and all these different metaphysical things that are I mean, I mean, they are more in the mainstream now than they were, like, 30 years ago. But they're still sort of, you know, not accepted as any type of fact or um, anything like that. Like, what what makes you feel that these topics are important now? Or why does Lilith think that these topics are important now to become more mainstream and be put into uh, a work of fiction? Other than Harry Potter, of course.
1: Uh, well, um, yeah, I, I think as part of humanity's evolution, um, we need to start coming um, back in touch with our own individuality. Um, and I think that a lot of these metaphysical tools um, are just a wonderful means of exploring your own um, inner reality. There's there's not really a lot out there in the mainstream to help you access that inner self. Um, and you know, I'm a yogi, like I'm super into it. Um, but even inside yoga, like at least the way that I see it taught, it's not always really giving you that empowerment and tools to access your inner self. Whereas like going, you know, you can just sit at home and think about your dreams or you can sit at home and imagine yourself connecting with these things, you know, this, some, a lot of this stuff is stuff that uh, just once it's in a person's hands, then they start to, they empower themselves. And so that's why I think it's important to, to bring it into everyone's lives. How about you, Paul?
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of a personal inquiry. As a I call myself, I used to be a career Catholic and the laws are this way and you must think this way and if you think outside the box then you're a heretic you know you, then you're not following the rules and and the good the, the unique thing is when I challenge the, the the bishops and monsignors that I know and they're like, well you know Lilith is in the Sistine Chapel painted by Michelangelo we just don't talk about her. I'm like she's in your church. you just don't want to talk about her because you don't fulfill. You know, it, it's it, it, it almost um, I'm I write about uh, women's rights a lot. And so this was kind of a, a did civilization suppress the idea of, of, of femininity, you know, because really organized religion is what has been, uh, you know, making man above female. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of time to rethink uh, how people view and challenge uh kind of challenge the bureaucracy challenge the organization you know uh, and let the individual make their own decision on how you know uh, be their own the the most dangerous thing for a government is a, a is a critical mind and an inquiring yeah. mind that ask questions
0: <laughs> that's so absolutely true. that
2: that and so by telling a story with history it lets people look things up for themselves and decide for themselves what they truly want to believe. And it may not be what their group or their social norm is, but it's their path, you know? Uh, And it's, it's makes it, each individual has a choice to believe their, their purpose and intuition, you know, Mm -hmm. just where do they want to go? And, And, you know, as a, as a person who deals with trauma myself, you know, I had to, I have more, Uh, healing from this side of the house than i did from organized religion so i've i've i'm I'm coming over to this side more because i get more healing uh through meditation through other ways that are not traditionally recognized in in organized religion so if that if that makes sense
0: it absolutely makes a, a lot of sense so so what i'm kind of hearing here is that um you know, and, and this is common. I, I I cover these topic quite a bit. Um, you know, the 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 masculine physical figures of the churches and stuff like that suppress and control people, and and, and have tucked away powerful figures like Lilith or Mary Magdalene or whatever these divine feminine figures that really really you know pay play a major role in our society, and um, you know, and, and they've always been there but there's always been this other part like 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 a lot of people will say like the knights of templar were were more of a divine feminine type of organization and that's why they were more protective over mary magdalene and um virgin mary type of worship and that's why they kind of had to stay secretive also um when you i look at it too is the masculine side is all about controlling and telling people what to do when we look at the divine feminine we're looking at something where people empowering people to do their own manifesting. So, so am I understanding that correctly?
2: Yeah. I mean, for, for them to, it's an individual choice. It's for them to choose their own path and not someone to choose a path for them. If that,
1: I guess the way I think of it is um, like the, the divine masculine is like logic and structure and coherency um and you know like a checklist is great (laughs) reasoning through something is great and you also need to be connected to your heart and your gut in dancing you know like it's it's you can't you can't make the world a beautiful free place just with checklists um
0: Okay. Um, so, so how does that, like when we move away from the organized checklist kind of stuff, how does that connect um, to the more spiritual side of things? The, the energy healing, the tarot, the psychics, the, um, the idea that we can manifest our own reality and our own destinies and not have to rely on other
1: people to do it for us. Uh, well, I was a yogi um, and uh, yoga is very often taking, trying to take our love of checklists and there's a right way to do it. And I just need to find it um, and kind of bringing it to a, a, a tradition that explores the inner spaces through body movement. So I was a yogi and that's what I wanted, right? Like I just, I was searching for like, what is the the right way? Um, and with poses, Asana, it's easy to convince yourself that there is a right way and really hurt yourself in all kinds of ways. Um, so energy, healing, oracle cards, um, lighting, incense, you know, any kind of stuff you do to manifest, um, especially the way it's kind of like re- been reborn in our society. Like there is, there is no right way. Um, so just the way that kind of stuff has re-entered our society, um, it kind of, it doesn't give us as much of a chance to, um, to show up. Nice it doesn't chat. give us as much of a chance to get tricked by that, like, part of our brain that, that needs to, to know if we're doing the right thing or not.
0: Interesting. How about you, Paul?
1: Yeah, I'm, it, it kind of, like, the simple thing
2: of meditation. Okay, of calming your mind and and thinking clearly and breathing, you know it's very good. So I'll give you just a quick snippet. I used to live in Alabama a couple years ago, and they brought it for Alabama too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) lower Alabama, not upper Alabama. Me too. I'm from.
0: uh, I lived in Fairhope.
2: (laughs) Oh, I know exactly where that is. But that's the good part. I mean, that that's a good part. But like, um, meditation is good for children. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they finally allowed in the state of Alabama meditation as part of ch- to calm children down when they were fighting or whatever, K through 12. But you can't say the word namaste. That's against the law. So it goes back to well, what is wrong, you know? It's, and it, it, it but it, it goes back to all of these things meditation and, you know, self actualization are good for the soul. Yes. And are good for healing. And, uh, you know, um, you know, I don't need to go to a building to pay my tithe to, to, to see God. I can go to the nature and, and it's actually more effective. Mm-hmm. And it's just trying to make the individual, um, you know, spending time in the, in the nature heals the body and soul and does much more than sitting in a crowded church could depending on how you, you think. And so you but you have to open up, you have to take that crowbar and start opening up your mind to other options that may be outside of your what you've been trained and educated and kind of brought up by social norms. But, uh, you know, I I do yoga, too. I've done it for the last couple of years, uh, probably 10 years, but I did it uh, for one reason and found that I I do it now for for spirit, for spiritual growth and calmness and meditation. Mm -hmm. And you can't get that from other things, uh, but still, when I did yoga in Alabama, I was called a witch. I'm like, really? You know, yeah, it, it's, it's devil worship
0: there. It's,
2: yeah, 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 yeah it goes it's a, absolutely
0: incredible. I was shocked when I moved there and found out yoga was considered something evil,
2: yes. And I'm like, are y'all stupid? You know, <laughs> well, we're from Alabama, you know, so I, you have to watch the words you say, but and and you know, so you just have to. Be careful because you, you get to be persecuted if you say that you believe in stuff that's outside the norm.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, I was the loneliest man in the world there.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly, especially in Fairhope. <laughs> but, that, I mean, but, you know, you, you, and through an individual's kind of self-actualization is where they get their, their healing, mm-hmm. you know, and they get to kind of find out what they're what they want to do and what 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 makes them happy and not just follow the mass the crowd, society you know make their own way, which makes them happier. You know, it's it, I have to be careful. I tell people I go to yoga where I work now because it's very conservative military, you know. But they even change the name of yoga poses to make them military sounding. So you know it's so ridiculous because they couldn't use actual yoga terms because of their bias against yoga, but they're doing the yoga poses, which which is, which is good for the body, which has been around as long as religion. Mm -hmm. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it goes back to challenging everything you believe in, but you have to make a choice to, to actually be a critical thinker and think on your own. That's the hardest, you know? Yeah. And and And, a lot of people
0: don't want to do that, you know? Um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I was also surprised at, you know, there was a uh, meditation center in Mobile that I used to, w- was going to, and they owned, like, this huge plot of land where they wanted to open a retreat center. And um, they made it illegal for them to do it, right. <laughs> you know? Yet, yet there's supposed to be freedom of religion. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. And, uh, you know... I don't know, but how do you think that your book is is going to reach out to other people that normally would not accept this type of idea?
1: So I I think it's having it set in kind of like the setting of like a modern-ish Midwestern small town, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's not... it's not set in some far away land or in the, in, in, um, so this, the setting, and it's just a, it's just a normal person and you start with very relatable experiences. And then I think the story pulls you in. Uh, and then also I think the his the history connection, you know, the past lives, um, right. Like these are, these are, historical moments in time um, that people can connect to. And then when you see a historical moment in time from inside the head of one small non-famous person who lived through it, um, you know, it just I, I hopefully changes how you think about how humans do humanity. So, so um, does, does your,
0: your main character do they start as a believer in all these things or did he start out as a non-believer and then go through his path of becoming a believer and, and what are some of the main um epiphanies that the character has if that's the case
1: uh, definitely not non-believer uh and then it, so in the beginning the main character um is talking to someone that he's known for years and just thinks as a normal person and that person just casually mentions that they do Tarot, uh, so it was like that—that that, like just normal relationship that had already been formed, and he was like, oh, "Okay, this normal person I know does it. I'll try it." Uh, and then the the reading was an experience that was too big to be denied. Uh, so the main character then, you know, spends most Paul spends most of the book uh, struggling with himself, um, but events events cannot be denied and they keep happening. Um, so eventually at some point, just the the reality of the, this kind of new world that's opened up that he's living in just, you know, demands acceptance. Uh, then the other thing I think that kind of brings uh, acceptance without giving too much away is that um, it, through going through this, like he connects to um, some of the pain from his life that he, he'd never hadn't been able to connect to. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, finally just being able to, to connect to that pain and go into the, the, the darkness of the soul and then walk back out, I think also helps the, the main character embrace this new reality or this reality, this layer of reality he hadn't seen before.
2: How about you, Paul? Yeah. It, it's kind of a, like a layered onion. You have to, peel back the first layer and then you still disbelieve you become you still doubt what you see and what you experience then the more you peel back the more you can't deny what is happening and then there's clarity you know uh, the idea of receiving messages uh, like for example from a father who had passed and then using those messages at a eulogy to make people happy, he could never tell people where he got the message, but the message made people happy because they were the words, you know, because, you know, but those things happen in the story where certain things come back and validate that there is another another side of everything kind of validate, you know, uh, uh, that you do not have all the answers. And your government, your organization, your religion, your church does not have all the answers, and you must seek them out yourself. Um, and whether, and to kind of educate yourself to find out what is your truth, you know, and, and we we, we kind of wrote it as a doubter, you know, how, how do you convince a well-educated person that, you know, you're, the person that you've known for 10 years does tarot cards? It's mm-hmm. like, and, you know, it's just... just and it's just a part, and they're like, well, I trust you, I know you, and you do this, why? And then you get to be educated, which helps in that, you know, through education comes reality, comes a self-actualization, comes a transformation, you know, only through, and then you kind of find out people have miseducated you or have not told you the whole story. And that's kind of what this is, it kind of brings other people, Uh, facts and history we have history chapters in here of, of individual characters that are past lives and so you get to see a a just like amanda said a normal person in a certain time and then you get to see what the perspectives are and how powerful the church was and all this and and then you get to make the decision for yourself you know on the on the persecution on the on all the things that happened during these events but from a commoner point of view Um, and it kind of we're educating through history and then bringing it back to modern times Um, and so what it does is it it, we're trying to kind of not just make it a modern story but make bring history into the modern and where there's artifacts and crystals and energy healing and all of these things that are so good for the soul which we don't talk about you know, until you're until you, you you want to, you must choose for yourself. So I think that makes kind of our purpose.
0: So did, did you sort of weave like sort of an autobiographical biography story into this fictional piece of work? Because that's kind of what I'm getting here. Because it sounds like you've lived this journey yourself.
2: Uh, some parts of it was is is autobiographical what I you know yeah some
1: some the beginning is like the beginning yeah. is um, the kind of the inception moment uh, and then we draw from past lives it's like there's you know a fair amount of like our uh, some of them are just made up but some of them are like past life experiences that we've been a part of
2: interesting is just a little bit of truth is good for the good for the writing a little bit of you know, it's good.
0: Is there really any difference between fiction and nonfiction, anyway? <laughs> Fiction's mean, fun. You know, it's, I don't yeah. Know. Um. So, so who's this? Like, 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 do you, did you have a specific audience in mind when writing this book? Because it sounds like you kind of did by writing it in that particular setting.
1: Paul that's
2: you yeah. yeah i I
1: think it's for
2: uh, we wanted to give it out there because uh, when we had this when we were writing the book and we were talking to people about the topic they were all to all ages were kind of interested in it and it was you know they I think they were interested in the story but also the meaning behind what was the purpose of the book and so we got motivated by when we had small discussions with people about the book. And I don't think it's categorized toward, I think more younger people will buy it because they're more open to it. But the uh, more educated people or those who are open to metaphysical who are, you know, are open to it too. So there's kind of going to be a line, but I think, I think most people will enjoy the story Mm -hmm. and take, uh, what the purpose of the book is, they'll, they'll individually choose whether they like it or not. So, I, I think that's the best way. Uh, we'll, we put it out there; it's, it's part of our soul, and let uh, and and we'll, we'll keep doing it as we move on to other books.
0: So, one of the things that you both mentioned is past lives. Um, so, so tell me about your experiences with past lives. You know, how did you discover your past lives? What were they? Who
1: were you? So I, I was, I was originally a Taoist, you know, like I, if you can't, if you can't show me something, then let's just tell jokes and have a good time. Like why even have the conversation if you, if we, there's nothing to touch. Um, and then I, um, I was, I was part of some group and as part of the group, like you had to get a past life reading and, you know, I'm, I'm scoffing and laughing and then I get the tape of the reading and I just was like, what you know like it just was I couldn't I couldn't believe how strongly my soul was like yes 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 and I I listened to that tape um over and over and over because it just like you know understanding the like the reality of that that whatever you know if it was all me or whatever but connecting with that person's reality and what they were struggling with It was just like, it's okay. I don't know. It was, it was, it's okay. Like this is bigger than you and it's okay. And you'll be fine. Um, So that, that was my first bit of past lives. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm always going to be a little bit skeptical um, because, you know, wish fulfillment is a dangerous um, trap to fall into. Um, But uh, we have a lady that we go to, Lena, who shows up in the book, and she does uh, past life readings, and she's just brilliant, and we trust her to death. Um, so that's that's my favorite um, vehicle for, for connecting with that kind of information. How about you, Paul?
2: Yeah, and and in regards to past lives, I mean, think about meeting – when I first met Lena – uh, she told me that I had a scar on my back. I've never met her before. And she defined how I received this scar on my back, which I do have. And I was just like, well, that's impossible. How How did you know? And she's like, well, you know, you told me your spirit told me. And I'm like, you know, so now you, you start you slowly kind of open up and then you get messages uh, from from your relatives who are past and it would be exactly what they wanted you to you know, to hear and like there's there's no way you could know this little word my father would always say to me unless he was actually communicating with you you know there because there's there's just no there's no logical scientific method way that this individual could know these things and she did but what she did was she she told me my past and part of those characters that she told me were some of the characters of the book, some of the past lives that we talk about in the history. And so it made it, um, when someone tells you, you might've been a past life for this, and then you start writing about it. And all of a sudden you've written 20 pages over a person you've just thought of there. There's gotta be more to past lives than, you know? And so I became a believer uh, in about a couple of years. And it all depends on who you go to. You have to know the good, the good, I call it the the real psychics because there's lots of fakes out there. But once, once they know you kind of, you know, I've never been to Scotland, but I've always felt like I've been there, but then I could write about it even though I've never been in the country. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you remember scenes of Patton where he was in Sicily and said he was there, you know, at 1200 AD, whatever, but you, you feel that you've been someplace before, and it, it's happened in my life multiple times where I've been to a, a place, for example, uh, King's Mountain in, in the Carolinas. It's a battle site where my great-great-great-grandfather fought, and I I walked it, and I knew where, without the tour guide telling me, I knew where to go. Mm-hmm. You know, And it, so it's very unique. It's, it's unexplainable. I mean, it's just uh, – but you kind of have to believe uh, where it leads you. And, you know, I've, I've all of the past live information has been good and bad, but it's also given me the choice to kind of use it as I need to throughout my, you know, my future. But uh, I, I the the it's it's just a unique uh, phenomenon. And I'm a, with Lena. We, we actually I asked her if she wanted me to wanted us to change her name in the book. And she's like, I'm not afraid of doubters. So it's actually, that's her real name in the book, and uh, and she's like, she she's going to, you know, the book's going to, um, uh, it identifies her as her true self, what she does, and so it's kind of a, she was so uh, brave to say, to use her real name in the book, that it was so, you know, it's, just, it's like, I'm going to be as brave as you, you know, so it, I'm going to write the book, so, uh, and that's what kind of what we did, but yeah, Past Lives is very unique, but personal to me, so. Uh, uh, and so that's kind of what, what it means to me.
0: Hmm. Have you ever come across anybody in your present life that you believe
1: you knew in a past life? Yeah, we definitely have gone through multiple past lives. Yeah. Know.
0: yeah. So you two have known each other in
1: other lives. Several. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it it's it's very unique where you just know, uh, and then you sit at a reading and then you're validated by someone telling you, yeah, you have, and then it's it's um, it's just yeah. We, uh, Man and I've been through several, so we 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 keep exploring that.
0: Do you believe in soul groups, where like certain soul groups reincarnate together to help each other grow spiritually?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's an exclusive club, you know, I I think at this point in my life I can like kind of feel the difference of like someone where it's like, we just connect like at a soul level, like right out the gate and we're going to, you know, run with that for however long. And then the ones more like Paul where we are, are, we, we like working together. We have the same mission. Like we have the same core values and like, It's it's you know a hand hand in glove like it it doesn't it didn't it didn't take much to get running I guess yeah on the spiritual journey what is the
2: mission you mean the 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 mission of oh the mission that we have is Mm -hmm. uh, I I think we both want to write and to share a story. Uh, that can be educational to people. And, you know, writing has, is, to, to me, writing is my therapy. So, you know, uh, by putting thoughts on keyboards and words and paragraphs and chapters, there's therapy in writing. So that that's what it does. And if someone will read a story or a chapter that we've written, that gives me uh, pleasure. I mean, not pleasure. it It's kindness. It's giving back to the world.
1: Writing is my life. It's everything. I love story. Story is everything to me.
0: Um, Do you do this because you believe that is going to have some effect on humanity? Do you want to help create some type of change in the world, help people open up, open them to other ideas that they wouldn't be normally open to? And, um, And then hopefully they'll start doing the same thing in turn
1: and affect other people and have a sort of a chain reaction. So, so I'm, I'm really bossy. I'm an oldest sister, so I'm pretty bossy. Um, so for me, it's like a, a journey into exploring, like I'm not in control of everything and also like give your gift. Um, so, you know, once you, once you give a gift, like all you've done is give it and all you can do is just like observe how they received it and then, you know, give a new gift. Uh, so.
2: Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like an act of kindness. Um, I mean, I, 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 think by giving, uh, effort in words, and literature and, and a book, you can change, not change the world, but you can start this, start a, I call it, you know, maybe a brush fire that will get other people to think or to to rethink what they believe in. You know, how can, uh, we're very opposite, Amanda and I, we come from different, you know, we're, uh, and, and how can two people collaborate in a book um, to kind of educate people through a kind of a, a, a very Midwestern mindset uh, to believe in, in in other things that are right in front of most people then they don't even have the acuity to see and so if, if all they do is is think about or Google a topic on maybe energy healing or tarot or go to a reading for the first time you know that's kinda just it opens the door it just puts your foot kinda in the door because the book is pretty is pretty good, mm. uh, but it, it 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 at least opens the window and the door to allow people to rethink what they believe in, and you know when you start doing energy healing and other things that are out there, it really heals the soul more than any other things that that, that are out there, and uh, you know, uh, and it that that's that's really what all we can ask is that people will read it and then. Kind of do their own research and their own decision on on what they want to believe, you know, and know that there's another side uh, of the fence that they may have been um, purposely prevented to go. You know, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like the uh, the dog that's been trained not to leave the yard, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the gates open, and they don't know what to do, or you know, Plato's uh, allegory of the cave. Where well, they don't want to see what's actually out outside the cave, and so that's kind of what we're what we're trying to uh, do for do for people.
0: Were there any parts of this book that were particularly difficult to write, or um, made you or helped you face some darker aspects of your own being?
2: Uh, I guess on my side is, is uh, we write about the death of a father, which happened about four years ago for me. And that it gets into the darkness. Uh, but it also gets into um, the goodness of a father who's not in any pain anymore, you know, and, and also there's other chapters in the book that are dark, but it goes back to people who won't let go of their pain that they have inside of themselves, you know, and, and it, Uh, you know, it kind of describes the darkness we all carry and we sometimes just, there's a point where we just have to let it go. And so, uh, there's some, um, tough parts in the book, but I think it's, it's, it goes back to humanity. I mean, you have to kind of go through, everyone goes through the ups and downs, the heaven and hell here on earth. Uh, but you kind of have to go through the dark to get to the light or to get to your light, you know, um, you know, life is, you know, life is hard, uh, you know, and so it's what you make of the, of, of the challenges in life that has been given to you, you know, and, and that's kind of the parts in the book that are tough or are, are personal, but, you know, it, it, it's all good to recover from the experiences that we've had in the past. Amanda?
1: Uh, I, I think for me, the, the kind of, biggest thing I've had to grapple with is, um, you know, I've always been like a hard charger with like a strong sense of faith in myself and pick myself back up and keep moving forward. Um, but to, to go back in time and look at like these cycles, you know, like the, the, the cycles of humanity, the cycles of the individual groups and, and, um, grapple with the the concept of the burning times um, and start to open my eyes more to like, you know, just, just the, I don't know, genetic almost fear that is now there from all of this oppression. Um, I, I, it's, I guess humbled me more to, to the, the work of, um, you know, undoing that, I guess. And That's been really humbling. Hmm.
0: So, Paul, where are you originally from?
2: Uh, I'm from Texas. Um, I grew up in a little town called Amarillo. Oh, okay. Uh, so, and and I, I we left there in '88, and so I never returned. And I had you know, and then uh, me personally, I I've been in the military for almost 30 years, so I've I've had a a, you know, packed and moved 17 times type of person. So uh, I'm finally retired uh, mm-hmm. here in Kansas. So I'm now a professor. So that's what I do now for a living. It's <laughs> interesting. You
0: know, I, I want to say, like, like I was, lived in Alabama for – I just moved back to New Jersey. I lived in, grew up in Princeton, New Jersey, and I moved to Alabama five years ago. And I just moved back. That five years in Alabama destroyed – my faith in humanity, absolutely wiped it out. Um, like, like, have you ever encountered somebody like me who's just like been like wiped out by that experience?
2: By by living in the South, yes, yeah. Um, I, I, like, like, it really just like yeah. wiped
0: me out. I was like, holy, I, I can't believe that that this is exists and is hopeless. Is hopeless. We're never gonna fix this. I-
2: it's a generational. So like my mother lives in Arkansas, you know, in a little town that is a typical 1960s railroad track. You know, people live on one side of of the city and and that's just, it's the way they are. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to take the next generation of children who become adults to be part of the change. And I I think our, I think our young adults now under the age of 35 are the future of of our, of America because they're, you know, I, I totally that's what I fully believe because I, I get to see them. They're my students now and I see them at, when I teach in college and they don't have the old, you know, 1960s, 70s uh, uh, patriarchal. I mean, um, the, 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 the social norm is coming. And like, like, like Amanda's age, the, the, those individuals who ask the question, inquire, they mind challenge the organizations and the bureaucracy that's where our future is coming and so i mean i i I agree with what you said about the south and it's going to change it's it's coming it just takes a generation to change a generation you know it, it you know it goes back to you know i was when i was in combat with iraq how do you teach a an entire civilization that they can vote now but you know so it goes back to changing the children who then become young adults who then become in their mid thirties and they're not going back to the old ways or going to the new ways. So that that's, I have a belief in humanity still. And I lived in Alabama for nine years, seven years, excuse me. But uh, you know, and you know, I, I still have faith that, you know, I've seen the darkness of humanity in combat. I've seen the horrible things in yeah. combat and I still have faith that, humankind humans want the same things we all do shelter food security and to live in peace we all and it's politicians bureaucracy that you know that's the challenge but most people if, if you offer people bread they're going to eat it with you and you're going to have a conversation no matter if they're your enemy and so the hum- the human part you know I still have faith is is what I'm what I'm saying with that so mm.
0: Do you have faith? I think it's a good question for Amanda too. Yeah. Do you
1: have faith in humanity, Amanda? Uh, um, I've always deeply, deeply struggled to um, have faith in a sense of peace um, and hope. Um, it's, uh, it's, it will be a struggle I think for the rest of my life to hold on to it and to keep refinding it. Um, but I think as I've gone through that struggle, Um, you know, I feel like spirit just keeps pointing me back to just, just shine your own light, (laughs) just keep your light shining. Um, It's a hard thing to do though. Yeah. It's very hard. It's a lot harder than getting caught up and feeling upset and down, you know, about the world
0: interesting yeah me too I, I struggle with it every day that i wake up you know even like with the podcast i'm like why am i doing this <laughs> does it really even matter you know um you know you mentioned like like, like you have faith in a younger generation that this is going to be a generational thing right my thing there is um that the younger generation is being taught by an older generation, so they're being fed the same propaganda. They're being fed the f- same garbage. They're being ruled by the same old rich white guys that have always ruled. That are the children of the same old white guys that were in power before. You think young people can change that?
2: In in, I I think they can. I I, I mean I I just um. I I I teach uh, a lot of thirty-one to thirty-five-year-old males and females, and 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 they um, they may have like a, a perfect. One of my students was from the Citadel, and and all that Southern Carolina uh, uh, indoctrination is what I call it. Mm-hmm. And get eventually they change. Eventually, everyone sees a perspective, and that's really. When you When you hear a human story from your neighbor or your classmate on how they've been treated because of their color, their skin or their gender, eventually those stories hit home and hit heart. you know uh, and everyone has a different time frame where it'll hit them. but it, you know eventually it will so that we become more diverse and we become more accepting to others and, and but it just takes a little bit of time and then they have to sometimes leave that place where they're from and see what it's like in other places, you know. Um, But I I think in time, people will change for the better because overall, people want a a better place, a better neighborhood, you know. And and I may be overly faithful, but I've seen too much to to not be. It's kind of my core. Yeah, I mean, mean, for somebody who's been in
0: combat, you know, you've seen the worst of of the worst. And for you to still be feeling that way, I don't know. Uh, I think that's that's inspiring.
2: Well, and and I live in the country now because I don't like people. So I mean, that's, I mean
1: whatever. <laughs> I don't listen him. him. He's doing all. He loves yeah. people. He does all kind of stuff to look out for people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like to. Uh, I hate bullies, uh, mm. and I don't like people getting taken care, taken advantage of. And it, you know, I, at a certain, you know, that that's kind of. I help people. Uh, i don't do i mean I, I try to but that's 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 kind of the the uh belief in humanity you know um if you help one person, maybe that one person will help another person and guess what you just pass it on right. and through a small acts of kindness, we can change the world so not uh everything but maybe a little happiness in the person's home or their workplace or you know just Maybe they go to nature and spend more time in nature than they did, you know, or, or whatever, but have them decide what they want to do for them. That's kind of what, what's a pretty good purpose to have. So
0: out of the metaphysical modalities that you cover in this book, from tarot to psychics, witchcraft, et cetera, um, this question is for, like, you know, you each, each answer them separately. Uh, which ones speak to you the most?
1: Uh, so I, I guess the two that speak to me the most would be energy healing. Number one, I'm an energy healer. I went to, course, our energy healing school, which is an offshoot of the Barbara Brennan school. If you're familiar with that um, and um, going through that three year program of just learning how to use that level of like my vision or like my perception of, you know, the world around me, um, you know, yeah, energy, doing energy healings, receiving them is great. But just the fact that like every day and every interaction that I have, like I have this whole tool set that like feels so natural and normal and just part of me, um, to, to bring to the table, to everything that I do, um, you know, to be able to see in more of the colors of the rainbow. Uh, And then I think the other one is uh, like witchcraft and and maybe just ritual um, as a thing and as something that's really like powerful and connective and um, awe-inspiring and like the the personal journey of that. I think those are my two big ones.
2: yeah for 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 me um some of my best healing has been through receiving energy healing you know um and and it's been where you know where where someone is healing you through their hands and they're tearing out the trauma you know it it hurts sometimes but it it it, it's it's more than a therapist could ever do it's it's you know it's it's them giving them to you to kind of do the energy work that is is healed me in the last several years so I'm, I'm a huge believer in energy work but I'm kind of more of a um, I do I don't do cards myself um, I, I have crystals around the house and I and I, I live in a house that's oriented by the moon and the Sun but I do a lot of meditations out i have a uh, a nice fire pit uh, where i'm going to bring in some standing stones and kind of have my own and and when you're with nature you can heal when when you're with when you have a bonfire going and you're just listening to the sounds of the fire and the wood and the birds behind you and the trees and and i have a special kind of grove uh um, and it, it, you just feel and, you know, you're barefoot and you just feel the earth. And, you know, it, it's almost like better than church when, when I'm in nature. And it's just, you know, a couple of meters from my house. And so uh, nature has healed me quite a bit. And I'm, I'm, a, you know, I enjoy and I protect the animals on my land. Mm-hmm. I don't hunt anymore. I don't want to kill anything ever again. And so you kind of and the animals feel that on my property and they come and visit whether the foxes bobcats coyotes deer they're all come near my home um and they feel it and you kind of i'm in, in touch with land and so i'm uh, that's kind of my best therapy I, I people who are in a bad mood or there something's troubling them i'm like let's take a walk on my property and i have my own trail And by the time we come back from my trail, they forgot what they were upset about. And it just has this effect on people, the trees, you know, um, and the woods. And I have some, uh, there's a lot of history on this property that I'm on that's spiritual. I have a couple ghosts here on my property that I've caught on camera. And so um, they're they're all here, but they feel that I'm taking care of the property. You know, and when we take care of our land, what was getting, you know, we, and we give it the respect it deserves. It's kind of a very, I'm not saying a Druid type of relationship, but it's, it you know, Native American, you know, having a a commune with the earth is very spiritual. And so that's, um, and I, you know, uh, I grow my own uh, uh, plants and I burn them in a ceremony and stuff, but I'm, uh, I kind of, I'm more of a naturalist out there in the woods. I'm, I'm very, no matter what kind of mood I'm in, if I go out in the woods and come back, I'm, I'm good. It kind of gives me, it, it's, um, and just to watch trees grow, to plant seeds and watch them grow, uh, uh it, it's just, there's something about the land that can give back to you, your spiritual growth. So that's, that's more where I am. Uh, I don't, um but I go and participate in readings and I go and and do sound bowls and, and I go and, and, and do uh, sensory deprivation. uh, Floating is a wonderful therapy uh, and other things that help me physically and psychologically. And I seem to be uh, on a good track to recovery from, from war and I'm on a, on a good path. So that's, that's kind of how I have to, it's a, Molotov cocktail of metaphysical aspects for healing and mm-hmm. guess what a lot of people who trouble with PTSD are coming to the metaphysical side yes because they're they're coming to to find a an answer they're looking for that they can't find elsewhere and so it's it's really uh, I mean we it's, you know people who retire from the military we get out of the army have to go through the VA is now offering yoga every day for free here at our local hospital because it's that good for meditation, for mental health and physical health. So, I mean, um, you know, I have to laugh at the, uh, you know, Alabama who you can't say namaste, but in the VA you can because the federal, you know, federal Trump state. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> but yoga is healed. Yoga healed more veterans than anything else. Um, hmm. uh, so I mean that's the goodness of yoga and other things of, of this context. So that's awesome. That's really awesome. You know, um,
0: I, I grew up, you know, in, in a family that was Catholic, and um, but but one of the things that, that 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 were sort of in the background though in my family and was well, because my family is I have half, half Italian, half German. Anyway, the thing that got me into all this stuff as a kid was tarot cards because I had an aunt who read tarot cards. And, you know, and then they, I started reading into it, you know, I discovered that, you know, Noah came from Italy. And it's, you know, it, it's just, and, and all the mythology behind the cards and the mythologies <laughs> behind the religions and all these stories. Um, and, you know, it's the storytelling, like, like 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 you guys have written a book, and it, like like tarot cards and storytelling to me go together, and I think that's a key part of human existence, and it might even go as deep not just into our psyche and the collective consciousness and the astral stuff and akashic records, but these stories are probably imprinted even in our DNA at a physical <laughs> level. Would, would you agree with like like like, like how deep? That storytelling goes that affects the human's consciousness and our ability to change.
1: I'm I'm an editor. It's inescapable. Everything is a story. You know, I'm working with these like people getting their PhDs, right? Like their dissertations, like really high level of you know abstract thought. It's still a story. Like it's everything. I I I, yeah. I I agree. It's that deep.
2: Paul. Yeah, and and you. But you have to tell the story. I mean, mm-hmm. w- when you talk about the, um, our collective consciousness, but you, you, you tell it for them to be inquiring. You, you, you tell a story for them to ask their own questions. Uh, when you talk about the Catholic Church, when you actually look at uh, Druid ceremonies and you look at a Catholic uh, communion, it's the same. You know, <laughs> it's been when, around when, since, I, uh, mean, it, I think, it, Babylonian
0: ceremony is the sort yes. communion you came from.
2: It's the same, and then when you when you look at the Catholic holidays on top of the pagan holidays, it goes back to Constantine. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so it's all. And when you look at the Bible, uh, the the Catholic version, Easter is always by the moon. You know, but it's in fine print. We don't tell people that it's actually you know on the cycle of the moon determines. (laughs) Yes, it's Easter, and. You know, you tell Catholics that and they're like, you're a witch. I'm like, no, it's in your own description of when Easter is, <laughs> you know, read your Bible. So but, uh, you know, people see what they want to see and read what they want to read. But uh, it's kind of good to use their own uh, a, a dogma with the discussion I usually have with both, most Catholics. So um, I'm, I'm sure the Catholic Church doesn't like me anymore, but it's like the mafia once you're in the Catholic Faith, you're in it forever. So, uh, <laughs> interesting.
1: Uh, my grandpa left. We ain't been back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, do you, do either of you, oh, I'm sure everybody, everybody has a favorite story or a favorite mythology. What is yours?
1: That's a good question. Uh, there's a there's a Tanya Huff book, The Wizard of the Grove, and it's a world where um, it's a goddess uh, who created the world, uh, and it's the story uh, humans have the power to create, and so they create gods, and then gods ha- have sex with humans and make wizards, and wizards are all men, and they're the worst of the worst, and you know they, they destroy everything, um, and so the book begins with. Um, how, um, uh, two people fall in love and they make a baby that, um, can change the world for the better. Um, and I just, I don't know, uh, beautiful story. I just love the way that, uh, she creates this like goddess as the, the, the creator, um, and kind of what that means. So that's, that's the one that kind of keeps my heart going and alive.
2: Um, I, I, I don't really have a, a favorite, but one of my, uh, one of the books that I've, 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 I've really read quite a few times more than any of the book is, is the razor's edge, which is, uh, by M, uh, Magum. and, and, and Bill Murray made a book, made a movie of it back in 1986, but it goes back to this, this individual, who goes to World War I and then he's supposed to go back to the job he left on Wall Street with the pretty house and the family. And he chooses not to. Instead, he travels the world and finds himself, you know, and it parallels between following the social norm and following what your passion is. And in, in the ending, uh, the, he, he, he comes out better than his college friends and, and who, who never left their hometown and I've always got a little inspiration from that book uh, on to follow your own path, but you have to have the courage to leave things to, to do so. Uh, the book is much better than the movie, but uh, it's it's a path uh, of that you can be the richest person and not be wealthy because you have friends. You can have a wealth of experiences that no other people can have. And, and you know, by the time, I I still have friends who live in the same town, the same house. They've lived in their whole life almost. And when I see them, I just, you know, it's their choice to do what they, to to live that way. But I've lived, I've, you know, I've seen the world and I can reflect back and and say I've lived a full full life and it made all the difference. You know, it goes back to that poem, you take the path less traveled. Uh, I forget if it was Frost. I I, I should know it, but I, I don't. I'm shocked uh, and horrified uh,
1: right now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's too much things in my head, but, but uh, the path less traveled is, is the, is where you have the most enlightenment, Hmm. you know, and take risk in life. And, uh, and, you know, when opportunity knocks, take it and try see what happens. And, but you, you know, uh, make, you have to make the risk to change. Change is hard. And, and, but experiences throughout your life will help you through the rest of your life. Uh, So I, I, you know, I had plenty of arguments with people because I saw more in life than I needed to, by the time I was 40. And, you know, and then I tell people, you know, and then you just decide when you want to discuss or open yourself up to people or not. But, uh, that's kind of my, my, my favorite paperback that I've dragged around for the last 35 years. Uh, that book so if that if that, if that makes
0: sense it absolutely makes a ton of sense actually so I I, don't, I haven't read your book and I don't know how it ends and I don't know if there's a good book coming after this book um, there's two more coming <laughs> two um, so I was thinking is if I'm writing my own book how would I want it to end? So how would you want your book to end without telling me how your book ends if that's even possible
1: so endings endings are the hardest part like I you know I've studied story like formally and stuff and endings just like in, in gymnastics are the hardest part to land I think they're harder than in gymnastics to land um, so. For me, the best ending is that you finished writing the book and you're sending it out, you know, because I, I I work with people who write and, um, you know, 95% of them don't finish writing. So, to me, that's the best ending. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: hard to finish a book.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah.
0: It's not as easy to start one, but once you hit that middle point, you realize you have to end it. Yeah. It's like...
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and
2: and this book ends with a question mark, too. It, it, it ends and you want to read the next one. So there's a the, we throw nice a few curveballs. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we originally planned to write three books. And uh, the third book, we're wrapping up writing and it kind of puts it all in a not in a bow, but in a complicated Rubik's cube, uh, but it makes sense. So our intent was to write three, and that's what we're kind of we're doing. And but it's it's education through story. I that's think kind of. The, I think
1: the best. In, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. I think the best ending is one that leaves the reader energized when they walk away, um, and that can be right. that can be all kind of emotions that you're walking out of with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the the thing to aim for is something that energizes them and gets them, you know, vibing to take some piece of the story that they just read and like walk into their life with it. Yeah.
0: So before we wrap this up, is there anything that you either of you would like to talk about that I've missed? We're easy going
3: easygoing yeah <laughs> pretty, I pretty to, easy yeah I,
0: I had to miss something
2: no oh uh, i you you're pretty thorough you're a pretty good interviewer no, good.
0: <laughs> god you, either of you <laughs> believe in god and what is god
1: uh so i i really like i can't remember the author but um it's called the star maker. It was written by this Jewish guy in the forties. Um, and the story is, uh, this, the, the idea that he gives of God is that the entire universe is, um, a little piece of God. That's like connecting and growing and connecting and, um, evolving. And the, the end of the universe is the, is the universe like reaching out to like, you know, hug God or whatever, and that mm-hmm. the universe, and this is just the cycle that happens over and over and over and over. Um, kind of like so,
0: the uh, Kabbalistic view.
1: Yes, yeah, and I, I, I like thinking of myself as one small little piece of this journey. I like it, Paul.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, and from, from my, I guess my religious background, you know, you say the creed, I, you know, uh, you, you, know, you have to repeat it in mass every time. Um, but, um, by going, I mean, I believe in a God, I believe in, but I also believe in the spirituality. So for example, uh, when you read of how the Bible was written and how the reference to God was used to govern and control people. And, and, you know, but you, you, I mean, I, I also believe that the, the, you know, the gospel says, you know, God is within you, the lost gospel, the Gnostic gospels, you know, mm-hmm. there's a part of God already inside you. You don't need yes. to go to a church. You know, God is, you're an image of God, however you seek it. Uh But also I believe in other religions, mm-hmm. Hindu, Buddhist, you know, Islam, and the, all the gods are the same. I mean, it's, it's one spiritual being but you know not one religion is is the you know you can't condemn other religions because of what they believe in but um i do believe you know your spirituality is inside you you know that there's a part of god inside you and you just need to find them and you know because and her made in the image Mm -hmm. take it and yeah Yeah. and yeah yeah correct but uh you know that that's kind of what what i mean i'm uh, that, that's kind of where I am on the subject and you know, it's, it's hard to, you, you have to believe in God when you look at nature, how could all this have happened? You know, how could the chances of all of this happening, uh, is kind of beyond the math, you know, the, the, the math of physics, you know, without some type of, of divine intervention. So.
0: Interesting. You know, that that's also true. You know, I I believe that if you are if you look hard enough for for God and creation or some type of cosmic consciousness, if you look hard enough in anything, whether it's in Buddhism, Hinduism, Catholicism, Nature, Kabbalah, whatever, you look hard enough you'll find it.
1: Right. And I think that's I think that's the joy of the age that we're living in, is that we can create our own mosaics. Of all these pieces, like I just, I think that's really cool.
0: Me too. So um, this was a fantastic interview. I want to thank you guys a lot. You were awesome. It was a pleasure talking with you today. Vice versa, yeah. And uh, thank
2: you very much. You're welcome.
0: And uh, just hang on for one moment. And actually, no. Before I wrap this up, where's the best place for my listeners to find you, find your website, and find your book?
1: I think our website's Uh Our book is on sale pre-order at Barnes & Noble. Ozark Mountain Press is the publisher, so you can also go to the, their website to purchase.
0: All right. Well, I'll put the links up in the notes of this episode so my listeners uh, can go to your website, get your books, and and, and check you guys out. And I'm sure everybody's going to be looking forward to the next. This is the first of three, so... Um, I guess that means I'll have you guys back on two more times for the next two. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being on and hang on for one moment while I play the outro. Thank you for
3: listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com. Message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com by the book Enlightenment Guarantee. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. You listen to everything imaginable with Gary Cacciolio.